What's going on, guys, and welcome back to the Crew Sports Podcast, episode number 20. You can always check out our Twitter, at Crew Sports Pod. I'm Michael Akeem, joined here by Vito Patel. Vito, that conference championship kind of continued the theme of the divisional round with games decided by field goals. This playoff started really slow with the wild card weekend. I thought, for the most part, those were mostly like blowout games. But the last two weekends, the last six games, super close games, and you got to be really pumped for the Super Bowl. Not... I think a Super Bowl anyone expected Rams and the Bengals get to the Super Bowl. I think both of us were talking about this at the beginning of the season, how stacked that Rams team was, especially at adding Matt Stafford to that already insane defense. But the Bengals, no way anyone thought. Like two years ago, they literally had the first overall pick because they just absolutely sucked. And last year, after Joe Burrow got injured, they pretty bad too. So to make that kind of leap in one season is almost unheard of in the NFL. Not in a hundred years would I have guessed the Bengals getting the Super Bowl this year. So we'll start let's start with, with their game against the Chiefs. They won in overtime 27-24 by field goal. But that game looked over early. Chiefs scored on their first three drives and were up 21 to 3 in the second quarter. And Bengals couldn't move the ball. Chiefs were moving it way too easy. I think for me, the turnaround in that game was that final drive in the first half for Kansas City. When, you know, they got down to like the three and they had like under 10 seconds left, no timeouts. Patrick Mahomes is up throwing short to Tyreek and he gets tackled short of that goal line and inbounds and they run out of time. Pretty poorly managed by Mahomes there. But since then, I think that was a turning point. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. And after that, there really just wasn't much good going the Chiefs way. Uh, actually, the Chiefs only gave up. I mean, the Chiefs only had 83 yards the rest of the game in offense, and that's just staggering considering like how well they, how easily they moved the ball the first half, including that last drive. And I mean, then on the other side, you got Joe Burrow, aka Joe Burr, <laughs> and he just started heating up, uh, and it was it was basically over. Like he's just so confident, and I don't know, the game just didn't seem the same at all the rest of the game. I mean, you had to think at some point the Bengals' offense would pick up, but I did not see the collapse of the Chiefs offense in the second half coming like at all. No, I totally agree. Uh, And now I don't think Ryan Tannehill played as bad as I like originally thought last week. Like if they could do this to Patrick Mahomes and like, you know, Ryan Tannehill probably played a pretty decent game, even though he had three picks. I think this Bengals defense is a lot more opportunistic than people thought. And they, you know, played the run pretty well and they cover extremely well. I think uh, Mahomes hasn't thrown two picks in any of his playoff games in his career. And, you know, this happened all in one half against the Bengals and some big time picks. Yeah. So I was trying to look into a little more about the Bengals second half adjustments and what they did. And I think the biggest thing they did to kind of get Mahomes uncomfortable is they started dropping eight back in coverage a lot more often, trying to cover their passing lanes, shrink Patrick Mahomes windows. So in the first half, the Bengals dropped eight on about 24% of passing plays they bumped that up, almost doubled it to 45% in the second half in overtime. Wow, that's insane. Wait, and they were able to create pressure with just rushing three then? I don't know. So when they dropped eight and he couldn't get his passes off right away, he just seemed uncomfortable. And sometimes he started scrambling too early. And then it kind of puts himself in pressure. Yeah, actually, I totally agree. And, you know, towards the end of the game, uh, they're were, they were near the goal line and and like on third down or something, Mahomes tries to scramble, avoid the pressure, but ends up getting sacked. And I mean, 
forces a very long field goal in comparison when they had a chip shot. And I mean, not very long, but decently long compared to the chip shot they would have had. And I guess that's what kind of happened a lot. And that's really interesting because I, I saw stats like Mahomes does really well under pass rush and under pressure. And so I guess he doesn't do well under not pressure. Well, no. Okay. So actually, I'm glad you mentioned both of those things. First, he, his stats show he does really well against the blitz. Because when you bring everyone, he's good at finding who's open and kind of gets it out quick. But, I mean, at least it looked like in this game, he struggled when you drop back and he didn't couldn't find his first read. Maybe he didn't see his second read. Or, like, the windows are smaller. He was kind of reluctant to, like, let it go. So he held on to it. And then in terms of the last drive in regulation, on second down and on third down, he had opportunities. But because, like, the whole second half, he was kind of uncomfortable there's normally throws that he makes, but he held on to it, and then he ended up having to scramble. And, yeah, he got sacked both of those plays. I know on the on the last play, the third down that you were just mentioning, first you had Pring, or no, first you had Kelsey coming across right at the goal line, and he was pretty open. Like, that's the throw Mahomes makes, like, 10 out of 10 times. He didn't let it go. After Kelsey crossed the middle, then you had Pringle coming in the middle back of the end zone, and he literally jumps up and down because he's, like, open. Mahomes still holds on to it, and he ends up scrambling backwards and gets that big sack, and he almost fumbled and lost it. Wow. Wow. That's just so abnormal for Mahomes to do. And it makes me wonder, even that overtime, when he I mean, seemed to struggle and do that big pick, I guess he just seemed somewhat rattled. I think a little too under pressure. I think when he saw that the other team was coming back, he lost his composure, and like, which is so different than the Mahomes that came back uh, against every Bills strike the week before. Yeah, he wasn't for the moment this week. And, I mean, Joe Burrow was for the moment. I mean, right when they had the, his opportunity in overtime, I mean, they drove down the field and like they could have scored a touchdown, obviously, but all they needed was a field goal. And, it, you know, they just finished the game. But he didn't, like, he he was really composed in overtime. And I want to mention that I don't think Jamar Chase had his best game, especially considering he had, like, 260 yards the first time they played, like, an insane game. Like, I think the Chiefs were ready to stop him. But, I mean, Joe Burrow made that adjustment and found his number two option. And T. Higgins had a really solid game uh, with 103 yards and six catches and had, you know, a big reception in overtime. I thought when when their tight end, Uzama, left the game early, I thought that was going to affect them. But, no, he found other guys. And they, unlike the Chiefs, they stayed committed to the run the whole time. Yeah. The Chiefs in the second half, when when you're dropping eight, they still wouldn't run it. One of Mahomes' interceptions, his first interception – was on an RPO, and you know Mahomes not going to give it up. He pulled it back to throw it. All passing lanes recovered. He tried to force a throw in. He gets tipped and picked. Dang. So I think a lot of their problems came from not having the same commitment to the run game like the, the Bengals did. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, Joe Mixon had a really solid game with 88 yards. Big overtime game, too. You could not be stopped driving down the field in overtime. And that's pretty impressive considering that I didn't think their line was all that. No one did. I didn't either. I mean, their line played pretty good in general, creating running lanes, and Burrow was only sacked once, which is crazy compared to how many times he was sacked the week before. He was also making plays with his legs. I think he got, what, maybe three or four pretty big third downs with his legs in the second half. Overall, great great game for the uh, Bengals coming back, though, especially in Arrowhead, how loud that stadium is, and just, yeah, keeping keeping it going. I mean, that's just, this is just such a good year for the city of Cincinnati, considering uh, the Bengals, I mean, not the Bengals, the Bearcats from uh, college football made it to the playoffs, too. Yeah, they're having a good football year down in Ohio. Yeah, exactly. In parts of Ohio. 
I mean, Ohio State's was pretty solid. I just don't think the Cleveland Browns had much of a good year. And I was, I thought Cleveland Browns were going to win that division, so I was definitely wrong there. Yeah. So one more stat, real quick: Patrick Mahomes' QBR in the first half was ninety-eight, so it's pretty good. In the second half, in overtime, one point four. Holy! Oh my <laughs> goodness! He had almost a perfect, like one of the best halves you could have first half, and like. Was just awful in the second half. I mean, congrats to the Bengals to do that. Yep. And with that, the Bengals head to their first Super Bowl in 33 years. I think their second Super Bowl ever. They don't have a ring yet. Insane. And Joe Burrow also doesn't have a playoff loss yet. How long are we going to keep on going saying that stat? <laughs> Until he loses. <laughs> but, uh, I thought it was going to happen. A few weeks ago, honestly. Yeah, I didn't really think he was going to get past the Titans. I, I even thought the Raiders was kind of somewhat of a toss-up considering the Raiders won their last four before going to the playoffs. Well, congratulations to them. And they'll be meeting the Rams in the Super Bowl. The Rams also finally got over their weakness, the 49ers. And they won also by a field goal to go to their second Super Bowl in the last four years. Yeah, incredible. I mean, their defense has always been really good with Donald. Uh, but now they have a really lethal offense. I like. I know. I keep thinking the Bengals are going to lose, but this is going to be another really tough matchup. It might be the toughest matchup they've had so far, uh, because I mean, one, the Rams don't have that ring that the Chiefs have. I feel like they have they have a little more to play for. Stafford is finally getting the opportunity. Like, there's there's so many players, so many storylines. Like, I think Ram- Ramsey and like Donald and OBJ, like they all want their ring. I mean, everyone wants a ring, but like they're more veteran, if that makes sense. Like, I think a lot of Bengals star players are younger. Yeah, the, no, the Bengals are definitely the much younger team. Uh, the Rams are also the second team in a row and ever to be hosting a Super Bowl and be in it. Oh, absolutely. That's true. SoFi Stadium. Yep. Yeah. And SoFi Stadium is another tough place to play on the road, especially in the Super Bowl. Big, nice looking stadium. And the thing is, I heard the ticket prices for the, like the tickets are like, super expensive, which would be normal for someone you know that resides in Los Angeles that could afford like all the celebrities and rich people in Los Angeles. But it'd be hard for Cincinnati fans to get all the way over there and make it to the game. So I feel like the uh, the Rams are going to have a big home field advantage this time. I mean, I, they, they didn't even have a home field advantage last week. They have to go on the silent count. <laughs> That's fair, but like the 49ers have a long fan base there. Yeah. Actually, true. you know, that's a fair point. I, I, I don't really know what's going to happen because the Rams are kind of new to LA, but the tickets are so expensive. Yeah. No, I think last year was definitely good tell, like home field's advantage for the Bucks. I, I think this is going to end up kind of neutral or like balance, more balanced than, than you would think. Yeah, that's fair. But as for the game itself, uh, the Rams also overcame a deficit. Uh, just like the Bengals had to do. They were down 17-7, to but that was entering the fourth quarter. So they had their big fourth quarter to not only come back and win the game. Stafford had an incredible performance against a 49ers defense that really pretty much shut down both Aaron Rodgers and Dak Prescott, especially in the scoring uh, part. I mean, I don't think the Rams scored as much as they could have, but the amount of yardage that Stafford had, 337 yards and two touchdowns, was pretty good considering how good this defense is. Um, speaking of the comebacks, under Sean McVay, the Rams are 2-23 and when trailing by double digits at some point in the second half. Both of those two wins are in the NFC Championships. Uh, the last one was back in 2019 when the Rams came back to beat the Saints 
in New Orleans to head to the Super Bowl. McVay matters when he's coaching, like when the game matters and it's a big game. I mean, kind of distinctly remember that game. I, I wasn't there like that controversial pass interference that Saints game. Oh yeah, the no call. Yeah, the no call. Yep. Let's the Rams go to the Super Bowl that year. Unfortunately, they had to play the goat, uh, Tom Brady, and lost that one. But this time they have a home field game. Shout out to some other big performances. Your new favorite receiver. <laughs> yeah, Cooper Cup, the triple crowd winner, showed why he's so good at all statistical categories. He had 11 receptions, which led the game. 142 yards, which also led the game, as well as the two touchdowns, which, as you know, led the game. Um, <laughs> and then OBJ had a pretty solid game, too. Actually, I didn't expect this kind of game from him. With nine catches and 113 yards. And first 100-yard game since 2019. Yes, it's been a while. That's I think that's the most surprising stat. First 100-yard game for OBJ since October of 2019. He's back. I mean, he's having fun again. Good catches. Good, um, you know, run after the catch again. Came up big. And he's making some money. I heard he's getting, like, some good uh, playoff bonuses with these wins and performances. Yeah, I think his base contract was kind of small. It's all bonuses. That's awesome. That's huge. I will say that Jimmy G didn't have a bad game at all, though. He... He moved the ball pretty well against the, the Rams, had 232 yards and two touchdowns. And the big thing was he didn't take a single sack against the Rams pass rush, which I think is arguably the best in the NFL. He didn't take a sack. He would, you know, avoid the pressure in other ways or try to get quick release out. But, yeah, they still lost. Uh, I think he was just kind of not clutch. Like, he was good. And I think the I think the Rams played a much better game throughout. Like, from the beginning, I thought the Rams were playing better. They yeah. just had... That first drive, they got it the picked off in the end zone, yeah. And then I think in the second half, they didn't get that fourth and one, and they were moving the ball there. So I think that that was like two other times they could have scored. Maybe it would have been so close. Yeah. No, I agree. And honestly, one of the big touchdowns he had was all Debo. Like that Debo screen that led to a touchdown, that really wasn't a good play. Like it was okay, but any quarterback could make a screen pass. That, was, that touchdown was all Debo, so... That touchdown, actually, going back to, I think that kind of went back to what we were talking about last week, where LA's secondary is not good at tackling. The 49ers receivers had so many yards after the catch throughout the game. Oh, yeah. Jimmy G's numbers were a little inflated with all the yards after catch, but I think he, he still kept the 49ers in the game. It's just his decision-making in the end, with that, that bad pick he threw like when he was falling. Definitely iced the game, not clutch. No, that was bad. I think he was just trying to have that perfect game with zero sacks taken. And instead, he just ended the game in another way. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but oh, there was a couple instances where the Rams could have been in trouble, too. You had Jaquinsky Tart drop that pick on the, the Stafford bomb that he severely underthrew. Yeah. When the 49ers got the ball back right before Garoppolo actually threw the pick, Ramsey had a chance at a pick, too, and it just bounced off his shoulder pad. Oh, yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, Rams Rams caught a couple breaks, but to be fair, I think 49ers had a couple uh, breaks in the beginning of the game, or at least big plays that n- shouldn't have necessarily happened. Like uh, that Debo Samuels touchdown probably shouldn't have happened if the defense was playing discipline, and then that pick in the end zone shouldn't have happened. It was a lucky – I mean, it was good defense. Uh, a little behind, up. maybe. It got yeah. tipped up, so uh, opportunistic defense. Absolutely. We said the 49ers definitely have. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the way, especially the way they played against like Rodgers, like they, they showed that they might not have necessarily the best talent, but they're scrappy. But 
Scrappy only gets you to the NFC Championship. I don't think it gets you to the Super Bowl. You have to have some different level of talent. And this Fortnite, I mean, this Rams team is just so stacked, though. And I mean, I think I think this is a type of team that like sacrificed their bowl. I mean, their draft picks to get to Super Bowl. And honestly, this is one of those things that I think other teams should look into doing. Because you know, why do you get good draft picks to win, you know, a Super Bowl? But there's another way to win a Super Bowl that's just trading away your picks for you know super star talent and I mean, it is the end goal anyways. That would be interesting because what happened then is, like, you have the Rams who, who they kind of sped up the rebuilding, which is that developing players. They went and got Stafford. They went and got Ramsey. They went and got, you know, all these guys, OBJ and, and all these all this top-level talent. But then on the flip side, you're giving your picks to, like, the, the like kind of bottom-half teams for their star players. They rebuild faster. And actually, when you think about it, their opponent they're playing against is a team that, did really well off the rebuild. They got some really good first round picks in Higgins last year, as well as Burrow last year. And then this year with like Jamar Chase, like their best players, I think are arguably part of the rebuild. And so it's really interesting to see the two different routes to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, one did it through uh, trading away the picks and the other did it through accumulating, well, just having a couple of bad seasons and accumulating some, you know, high picks and developing their own guys. Oh, interesting to see which which kind of method comes out on top. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I'm excited for this Super Bowl. But we'll talk more about the preview next week. Yes. And for this week, we're going to move on to... We haven't done a news segment in a while. Yeah. A lot of football... Well, a lot of just news and sports has been going on. Yeah. We'll start with the NFL news. And then we've got a little college news with National Signing Day happening earlier this week. Yeah. But you know, we'll, stick, we'll stick with NFL for now. So first thing, real quick, Washington finally unveils their new kind of mascot. They're, the Washington football team will now be known as the Washington Commanders. It took them two years to make the name the Commanders, and I just I don't know. I just feel like that's a little long. I don't know what goes around the process in making a new team name, but I didn't think it'd be that challenging to come up with any name. Yeah, so I get the feeling you, you're not the biggest fan of it. I I don't. And it's okay. I don't like that much. I think the jerseys. They're all right. I like the white ones, I think. I like they have the first team since the NFL changed rule. They got two different helmets. I like that. Yeah, I didn't see that. So they have two new helmets and different jerseys now with the commanders. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. No, I, I, it's not that I have anything against the name. I just really thought it would you know, be done much faster. Like I'm against the process. I don't think it should take that long to change a name, but I didn't know it really does. Well, I also thought they said they were going to release it during the Super Bowl and then... I don't know. They it got leaked or something, so they released it early. Maybe I don't know. the The organization's kind of off. Yeah, it it is pretty off. I mean, you know, that's not like the only thing they got leaked. Like, you know, uh, Tom Brady's retirement got leaked a little early. Yeah, so the biggest news at the NFL was Tom Brady's retirement, and then not actually retiring. But then he comes out himself and says he officially announced his retirement. Looking back at it, I never thought Brady was gonna leave the buck. I mean, the I never thought Brady was gonna leave the Pats, but his first season not winning a Super Bowl with a team not named the Patriots, he hangs up the cleats. I think Brady, even though he didn't win end his career with a Super Bowl win, he ended his career way like better than Manning did. Because if I wasn't mistaken, like that man, that Broncos team mostly won that Super Bowl because they're insane defense. And I mean, I think Tom Brady was lighting it up all year long, having. Great performance after great performance. Yeah, led the league in passing this year still. So Yeah, it is last season. He retired playing 
you know, the, some of the best football he played in his entire 22-year career. Insane. And the, he just has so many so many records, but I think one of the most impressive, I think, is he played in the NFL for 22 seasons, which in itself is crazy. Like, that many years to play in the NFL, uh, considering it's a physical league and town just comes and goes every year. And in all of those 22 seasons, he never had a losing record. Out of those 22 seasons, 19 of them, he went to the postseason. Also a record. Ever since I've been watching the Bears, which I did start watching after the Super Bowl uh, in 2005. But ever since I've been watching the Bears, they've only made the playoffs three times and had one playoff win. Which, just to put a comparison, is that is just astronomical difference. Yeah, ever since I've been watching the Bills, uh, Brady's been in New England. <laughs> yeah, that kind of sucks. I think his his record against the Bills is like thirty three and three. Oh, dang! That just that just sucks. Those three wins, I remember them. <laughs> it's it's a big moment anytime you beat Tom Brady. It's not easy to beat him, but uh, there's just a buttload of <laughs> uh, records that he has. He has the record for all-time passing yards, touchdowns, game-winning drives, fourth-quarter comebacks, and wins. He also got a bunch of postseason records. You know, most appearances in the postseason, most games started in the postseason, most wins in the postseason, most Super Bowl appearances, most Super Bowls. And most completions, most passing yards, most passing touchdowns, most game-winning drives, and most score, fourth quarter comebacks in the postseason. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's absolutely insane. And when you look at all these stats, it's not just like you know how sometimes they'll be like, "Oh, this is the first player who's ever recorded three hundred something yards uh, under this condition while rushing for this." But that yeah, very oddly specific. Yeah, oddly specific yeah. stats. These are all like big stats, like yards, touchdowns, w- wins. Like you know, what I mean, these are. Like actual goat stats. Yeah, those are the, the meaningful, like the real stats. Just the straight out, not not this has to happen <laughs> yeah. or in this game. Yeah. It's just the most all time of almost everything. Exactly, wins wins is like the biggest one, and he has wins in everything. Super Bowl wins, like these are the, yeah, these, this is what you play for, and he has the best stats in that. So in regards of all that, he I would actually like I definitely have to say he's a goat, and I don't even know if it's necessarily close. No, and I'm glad he kind of left New England for the last couple of years so I could like like him a little more because I was not his biggest fan. Playing him twice a year and losing. Yeah, I feel that. Honestly, like I don't mind him as a person or anything, but I'm not the biggest fan either just because as a football fan, I like newness. And just seeing him in the Super Bowl, which 10 appearances is crazy. You know, he's just there all the time and it's it's just not new. I mean, since... I'm trying to think of the years, maybe 2014, I think. He's won every other Super Bowl. <laughs> that's insane. And that's like the latter half of his career. He had like those three Super Bowls early in his career. And then if it weren't for the Giants randomly in the middle, like he would have had like three different dynasties. He would have had nine Super Bowls. Exactly. And yeah, this three Super Bowl losses to the Giants and one to the Eagles. All those losses were very close games. <laughs> and they were almost seemed like flukes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They were still very favorite to win that. Like being that dominant for that long of a period of time is just so unheard of. And he's gonna mm-hmm. retire as a goat. He also had three MVPs and he could win this fourth one, but he's you know behind Aaron Rodgers. So he's probably not gonna win this. But I wonder if, if this kind of changes the MVP race, you know, give, give <laughs> to Brady in his, his final year. No, that'd be crazy. I mean, because the numbers are there. Yeah, I feel that. Like, his stats are there, but, like, in terms of, like, actually being the most important player, Rodgers did everything for the Packers, pretty much. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's why Rogers is leading. But you're right, though. The stats, like, you could make an argument for Brady winning the MVP this year, and like, if if we're going based on narrative, and like yeah. for the storyline, for yeah, Rogers would not be happy with that. Uh, he's definitely with the Green Bay Packers after that. Then, <laughs> if it was an already said it so. <laughs> Moving on to some more news from the NFL. The coaching carousel has been turning. We had eight teams looking for new coaches. That's a quarter of the league. Oh, yeah. I never even thought of it like that. <laughs> oh, wow. So out of the teams, the Bears got their guy. Matt Everfuss. I think that's how you pronounce his name, uh, is our head coach. And Ryan Poles is our general manager. I don't I, – I, from what I've seen of Ryan Poles, he seems uh, much better – and more enthusiastic than Ryan Pace, which funny enough, by the way, if you haven't noticed, we replaced a Matt as head coach with another Matt and Ryan at GM with another Ryan. It just keeps things easier. You don't, you don't have to change any of the name tags. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they want to be both efficient as possible. Which yeah. I kind of don't like, like, I'm not sure about the hiring Matt uh, as a head coach because I think that Colt defense was good, but they also... I played some inferior competition last year. I know the biggest game of their year, the loss to Jaguars, could not stop Charles Lawrence. I know one game doesn't define a coach, but in general, I don't think the Bears also needed a defensive coach. Like, we need someone who could develop Justin Fields, and as a like an organization, the Bears have never had a real franchise quarterback. And so I'm not sure if I'm the biggest fan of, the, fan of this hire. Are saying Jay Cutler wasn't a franchise guy? <laughs> nah. <laughs> but he is definitely the best quarterback the Bears have had, which you, yeah, it's just not fun to say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not great. Um, the Giants also got their guy. They hired Brian Dable, the Bills former offensive coordinator, to be their new head coach. They hired Joe Chewin to be the GM. They also got him from Buffalo. And then they were trying to get Ken Dorsey, the Bills quarterback coach, to be their offense coordinator. But luckily, the Bills, we promoted him to be our offense coordinator, and he stayed. So I, I don't know. The Giants think Buffalo is like one-stop shop for all their coaching needs and, and executive hiring. <laughs> They're also trying to be efficient. And plus, Buffalo's in the same state. So, you know, they don't have to travel too far to make these interviews. I guess so. I mean, Brian Dable... Thought, I thought at least he was going to get a bunch of offers last year and he could have potentially left. I kind of knew at some point he was going to go somewhere. Like he's He was doing too well to not get a head coaching opportunity. So congratulations to him. Yeah, no, he, yeah, congrats to him for sure. I mean, just as a fan perspective, seeing how well the Bills did in the playoffs offensively, um, insane, absolutely insane. Like, yeah, he deserves to get his head coach job anywhere. I want the Bears to get someone like him. We need someone like that to, you know, develop fields. Like, imagine if he developed fields and, like, he was at least somewhat as good as, like, Josh Allen. Well, oh, well. Yeah, maybe he would have been good there, yeah. Uh, in terms of Buffalo, uh, like I said, we promoted Ken Dorsey, who used to be our quarterback coach, to be the offensive coordinator. So, some continuity there. I kind of, I like that. I mean, I knew we were we were losing Dave at some point. So, I like we we retained Dorsey and then we hired Joe Brady to be our new quarterback coach. And I kind of, I like that. I actually seen we did an LSU. I know last year with the Panthers wasn't like the best year, but I still think he's a good coach. Yeah. I think at least he had something to do with all the success LSU had in that 2019 year, along with all the players. But I, I, I like the, those moves by the bills. Yeah. Actually didn't Sam Darnold start off the year pretty decent too. And when he played for the Panthers, yeah, he did. I mean, I thought that was like a fluke, but yeah, I guess. I guess he got hurt. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe 
maybe Darnold. Actually, yeah, heck, even Cam Newton had some like signs of some rejuvenation. So maybe he really is the man. Man, I hope so. Uh, we'll see though. I, I I like the move though. I like it. Yeah, it definitely makes more sense than the Bears hire. I think. Fit. <laughs> move on. Uh, Raiders hired Josh McDaniels, former Patriots offense coordinator, their head coach, and. I like that. McDaniel's gotten a lot of offers over the years. I didn't think he was ever leaving the Patriots. Yeah. He's highly liked. I think I think he'll do just fine uh in that Raiders offense. I, I think Carr is a really good guy and I think McDaniel's a really good guy. I think they'll get along just fine. I think this is one of probably the, the better positions to get in this offseason. Like the Raiders are a playoff team. You know, it's not often you get to come in and you're as a new head coach and you're starting with a playoff team, like a playoff caliber team. That's true. That's awesome. Yeah, no, to, to just get handed a spot like that is amazing. And they already faced their own adversity. And did well. Yeah, they lost three players. I mean, they lost a coach and two players throughout the year. They did just fine. Yeah, so uh, that offense probably going to be pretty good next year. Yeah. And their defense was not bad. Absolutely, yeah, they picked it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Broncos hire former Packers offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett. Could this be signs of where Rodgers is headed to stay with his OC? Two things. One, I mean, I think that is a good sign. And I think I'm, I'd be glad if, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers left Green Bay. Maybe Chicago has a chance to win NFC North. But second thing is, see, that's a hire that makes sense. Because you know the Broncos had a really solid defense. So they got a coach that was good at offense. So they could, you know, progress the weaker side of the ball. So, I mean, that's a good hire by them. I'm just throwing shade, but I digress. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, and if like if that move comes with Rodgers, because we saw, you know, Josh McDaniels ended up in, in Vegas because he followed Patriots executive. I think Dabble ended up with the Giants because they got their GM from Buffalo. So a lot of people, you know, they like continuity, like stick with their guy. Yeah, no, I could see that. And a lot of people think Rodgers is going to leave this year, which he showed all the signs you could believe that he's going to leave this year. <laughs> so, And the Broncos are favorite to land him, per DraftKings at least. Wow, that'd be huge for Denver. I think Denver will be right back in the Super Bowl soon then. What a crazy division that would be. Actually, Between true. that division and the NFC West, those would be the two top divisions. Yeah, the West. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because... Even the Raiders, like we just mentioned, with McDaniels, is going to be amazing. You got Herbert with the Chargers, and obviously Mahomes and the Chiefs. Oh, man, that'd be too much competition. Yeah, and now to the teams that don't have their coaches yet. The Saints don't have a head coach after Sean Payton retires. I did not see that coming. No, I didn't either, but I guess he he misses Drew Brees. Yeah, it's been rough since Brees went to the commentator booth instead of <laughs> on field yeah vikings don't got their guy yet they were interviewing harbaugh and i guess that fell through must have not been a good interview because after the interview they said they're not interested and harbaugh apparently told michigan he's not leaving so yeah both sides <laughs> did like each other it seems like and i think both sides are saying opposite things like i think the vikings are saying you know he wasn't the right match and harbaugh is saying i didn't want to leave michigan and so something happened, but yeah, that's not going to happen. Well, at least they mutually agreed it's not happening. Mm-hmm. The move with the Dolphins actually really surprised me. Uh, like, re- re- rewinding a couple few weeks ago, because I thought Brian Flores did a great job in Miami. And I think, uh, I mean, they started the season off awful, and they had that huge winning streak and almost found themselves back in the playoffs. 
they were ended up one game shy, like a tiebreaker away from from the playoffs. Yeah. So I I thought they were doing pretty well. I thought he was a good coach, and he's not getting any head coaching looks this round either. And some problems have you know, kind of came out of that. Yeah, allegations, uh, saying that the NFL has some uh, racial prejudice and they're hiring coaches. And honestly, like some, when I hear claims like this, sometimes I think, you know, maybe, you know, they're blowing things out of proportion, but he has some good arguments in his case. I think, uh, especially seeing how good the Dolphins did, like straight up, it doesn't really make sense to me as an average fan, why they didn't get rid of him. And like, this has been a problem. Like this is not the first time this comes up in the NFL and they've tried to do things to kind of fix it in the past. And I don't think they really have. But, you know, it's a developing story. It'll be interesting to see what happens with it. Yeah, definitely interested. Moving on, the Texans don't got their guy. The Jags don't got their guy. Yeah, Urban Meyer didn't work out in the NFL again. He's a state of college. Byron Leftwich, the front runner to be the Jags' new coach. Earlier today, he said he's removed himself from that consideration. So they need to start over, do some more interviews. So there's about five head coaching spots still open. So much coaching carousel. And actually, this kind of reminds me of what happened in the college football season towards the end of the year with all these top teams getting new coaches or having their coach leave. Yeah, we did. We had a whole segment on that as well. Yeah, I guess in in the United States in general, it's a great resignation and uh, people are finding new job opportunities all over the nation, especially after this pandemic. But I guess uh, it doesn't fall short in head coaching jobs either. Yeah, coaches are people too. Yeah. <laughs> But speaking of college, we had National Signing Day earlier this week. A lot of big recruiting news. Yeah, I think since they started doing the uh, early signing period, uh, National Signing Day isn't as big of a deal. There's not too many players left unsigned. But this is when the classes finally get complete and the final rankings come out. And Texas A&M has the highest rated recruiting class in the history of all of college football. And Michael, just to tell you how good this class was, they had seven five stars, which it's oh just like, God. I think the Pac-12 didn't even have that in four classes in all those teams they had all last year. Like, I think there was like six five stars in all the Pac-12. Yeah. Wow. And then 19 players of the top 113 recruits of the class. So if there was actual parity in college football, which I think is one of the sports, but there's like very little parity. Um, all the 130 teams, there's 130 teams. They'd all have just one of these you know, top 113 recruits, but A&M has 19 of them. Well, now the question is, how well is Jimbo going to develop all these guys? Because, you know, the recruiting, I think that's that's half the battle. Interesting to see how good they become. Because, I mean, if they make instant impact and A&M makes a run at something this year, that'd be very impressive. But, I mean, if they like, if they continue this, wow, a and is going to be a powerhouse in the next couple of years. Oh, Absolutely. I mean, yeah, recru- recruiting is only half the battle. Developing that talent is the other half. Uh, but, I mean, I don't think Jimbo's the worst at developing talent either. I think he's had some success. Oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think I think Jimbo's pretty good. The one thing is, one like might be suspicious. Why did A&M have such a big recruiting class? Well, reports have said that they spent over $25 million in boosters to sign this recruiting class. Uh, sign. You know, I don't know if it's signing is the right <laughs> word, but signing bonuses. Yeah, exactly. For to play in college football, NIL has been a big impact on some programs, and I think A and M is going to see a big resurgence because Texas loves its football. Oh yeah, and I thought you know this would go to the Longhorns, but I guess A and M was in a, in a better spot to take the boosters. 
Yeah, that's true. And AM had probably had more recent success. And I don't know, Jimbo. I don't think Texas is going to be bad either, but the recruiting is just not like as good as AM's right now. Actually, Texas actually does have a top five class. Though, so, yeah, like you're saying, though, they're not bad at all. Having a top five class in the nation is always really, really good. So the number one class obviously was AM, but two, three are Bama who, and Georgia, who just played the national championship. Number four with Ohio State, and then number five, Texas. So Texas is seeing some pretty good recruiting classes, too. Because unlike those other four, they're not really ever close to being in the top ten by the end of the year. But yet they still have that good Not class. recently, at least. Yeah, <laughs> at least, yeah, not recently. And then, well, moving on to our big team, Notre Dame. Uh, they signed uh, the number seven recruiting class, which is the highest class Notre Dame's had since 2013. And Kelly was talking about Notre Dame having less talented players, but it doesn't seem like this recruiting class wasn't talented. In Freeman's short time at Notre Dame, between being defense coordinator last year and head coach for like a month now, month and a half, He's a great recruiter. I mean, I didn't know him too much at Cincinnati, but wow, he's recruiting. I mean, he's recruiting coaching staff. He's recruiting transfer portal players. He did a great job recruiting last year, I thought, on defense and continuing now. Like, number seven class in his first year's recruiting, and he, he hasn't even been a head coach for that long. I think that this the other thing to think about, too, is since he joined, his big impact was on the defensive end. And he signed three top 15 linebackers of this class. So he, he was a former linebacker uh, in the NFL, and he's showing how he could uh, get that done. But you're right. He's he's one hell of a recruiter, at both players and coaches, and it just makes me so excited for Notre Dame football. Well, I haven't been this excited for, for next season in a while because I always – I mean, I say every year. I'm like, yeah, we're going to do good regular season, end of the year, and it matters. No, I agree. But now we, we're starting to get the pieces together. And um, not only is he getting uh, talent and not only is he getting coaches, but he's maintaining talent. Uh, Foskey decided to come back and the Adam Yola twins decided to come back. Uh, Jared Patterson uh, decided to come back. And these are just the big NFL players. And there's also like 50-year seniors returning. But Foskey and Patterson especially were both projected to be top three-round picks. And Foskey could have been as high as uh, late, I mean, early second-round pick this year. Yeah, those surprised me. I thought, like, Foskey definitely going to the league. He was, like you said, could be potentially close to the top of the second round. He came back to Notre Dame for his senior year. So there's something about Marcus Freeman that these players just love and they want to come back to. Because, yeah, the only people that left were Hamilton and um, and Kyron, who are like, I don't know if Kyron's first rounder, but like Hamilton was supposed to be like top five. No, I, I totally agree. I totally agree with uh, Hamilton's decision. I kind of even agree with Kyron's decision because, like, running back is such a disposable position in the NFL. You might as well get your chance and try to show off in, like, practice. And then one more big ad was safety Brandon Joseph from Northwestern. And since 2020, he's led all Big Ten safeties and picks. And he has nine picks in the last two seasons. And that includes a shortened 2020 season. So adding him to that roster is an immediate replacement for Kyle Hamilton. Yeah, that's nice and good continuity. A good leader to stay at uh, the safety spot. Exactly, yeah. And they'll definitely help the secondary that was torched against Oklahoma State, which that secondary didn't have Kyle Hamilton. But if it had maybe someone like Brandon Joseph, you know, maybe we didn't lose Oklahoma State. So pretty good stuff for Notre Dame. Uh, to our other team, IU, uh, they have also have done a good job recruiting. They've signed their highest-rated recruiting class in all of IU program history with the number one – number. I mean, number 21 – uh, recruiting class in the nation and the number four in the Big Ten. But the only teams in the Big Ten that are higher 
is Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State. And those are powerhouse schools. Even like Michigan State's supposed to be up there usually too. Exactly. Yeah, they beat Michigan State. They beat Wisconsin in recruiting. They beat. I mean, they just beat everybody else in the Big Ten outside those three. Yeah, and Big Ten's good, good football programs too. They also had a top fifteen transfer recruiting class. A lot of transfers seem to go to IU. I don't understand why, but they just seem to go to IU. Yeah, over the last couple of years, we've had some good former like four star talents come. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how one school could be good at rec- uh, transfer portal, but IU seems to have figured it out. Though IU did lose. Uh, I, I find it's cannibalization because I like both these teams, but IU did lose Coach McCullough, uh, Dylan McCullough, to Notre Dame, the running back coach. And, you know, a lot of IU fans were worried because, I mean, obviously he's a great coach in general. He was the Chiefs coach, running back coach, when they won that Super Bowl a couple years ago. So he's a big-time name, but he also had three sons that are all either playing for the Hoosiers right now or going to go play for the Hoosiers. And all of them are highly talented. And like Desan McCullough for this class is the highest ranked Indiana Hoosier recruit in all of their, its class. The thing is, all three sons said they're going to play for Indiana. They're going to stick with the Hoosiers. Yeah, okay. So that's a little better. I definitely thought, you know, it'd follow a trend that we see in the NFL, you know, people following, people they like working with. And and we were talking about this before. We we thought like, you know, the boys and the dad is going to be a package. You know, if he leaves, they all leave. But this is good because I think Notre Dame has a talent that IU doesn't. So as a Notre Dame fan, I would be okay with getting the better, like the coach of them. And I'd be okay with IU keeping the talent. Yeah, it's, uh, it works out the best as we can for, for our two teams. And then final bit of recruiting news. Uh, so LSU landed the biggest recruit linebacker, Harold Perkins, five-star linebacker. Absolute top 10 like player in the class uh, ended up signing with LSU and LSU's recruiting class was actually before his signing ranked a little behind IU's. They're like at 23, but they jumped back into the top 20 after landing him and all the way went up to 12. So big win for Brian Kelly, but he also had a big L when he danced. <laughs> his, his little dance went viral and his recruit went to Alabama. That is the funniest thing ever. Yeah. Because <laughs> everyone is clouding him. Lane Kiffin tweeted, it's like, are you serious? Like, uh, this has to be a prank. Yeah, it's like, did you lose a bet or something? Yeah, exactly. And yeah, that player ended up going to Alabama. So I was like, dang, this is just a bunch of L's for Brian Kelly. L after L after L. But he did end up getting a really good player to go to LSU. So yes, good job. Yeah, we haven't given him too much props on the, on this pod as of late that's nice nice by you giving him that last one yeah i mean i didn't want to do it i actually kind of just want to cloud it for the uh losing that recruit to alabama after the dance going viral which is just the funniest thing ever but somehow he surprised people in early signing period and actually did something good he has a good way to close out national signing day for him and head into the season hopefully with a little good news but yeah it's gonna be tough in the sec the sec looks super stacked I mean, the top three recruiting classes in the nation are all in the SEC. I mean, and they usually are, too. Yeah, that's true. All right, I think that wraps it up for this week. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, at Crew Sports Pod. And we'll be back next week. We'll be breaking down Super Bowl 56 between the Rams and the Bengals. A little preview for the biggest game of the year. So until then, we'll see you guys next week.